Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Netsdaily.com. Brian! <laughs> Stop. You're gonna peak. You're gonna peak again. Are you peaking? I always peak too early. That's Don't what my wife says. Too early. Wow. This Welcome back to the glue guys, Brian. This podcast is in the gutter. Now we have got Kyrie and KD, and you're going to take us right down into Jerry Springer Gutterland. Come on. Um, we are now, what is this, day two of the reality that Kyrie and KD are coming to Brooklyn? Day two of the bender. Uh, it's been good. You know, just highs and lows, highs and lows. Um, you know what I've been surprised by? There's two things I've been surprised by over this like span of just two days is... One, how immediately defensive I am of Kyrie and Kevin Durant, even though they haven't played any basketball for the Nets and they just signed with the team. They're not even officially with the team until July 6th. I'm already – so, like, Scott Van Pelt does his one big thing on his show where he does, like, a little monologue for two to five minutes depending on the topic. And he did a thing about Kevin Durant, how Kevin Durant fascinates him because Durant seemingly is never happy. And um, and Scott Van Pelt's – thing about that wasn't that like dude you should be happy but it was more about like what will make you happy and i tweeted about this a little bit today but like at bk glue guys on twitter i don't know what people's fascination is with trying to dissect the happiness of people that they don't know and not even that they try to put upon them the, the the feeling of like you should be happy not that van pulp did that but like i've seen enough dialogue out there be like why did kevin durant leave the warriors he should just be happy with what he's doing i don't i mean he's not he wasn't happy why like there when you're not happy by saying to someone you should be happy that doesn't make you happy that's not how not saying depression that's not how depression works but that's not how feelings work by telling the person that you should not have that feeling i don't know i just like i'm seeing that a lot there's so much like dialogue around the 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 Kyrie and katie signing that is just POing me, Brian. Mm. Not celebrated. Okay? The the reactions that are behind in the media is one, make fun of the Knicks. Two, the Nets aren't gonna have Kevin Durant on the floor in season season one. And number three is that Kyrie is gonna poison this team, which is something that I, you know, I supported. What's that previously. like five step of grieving thing? I mean like I feel like this is the rationalization like portion of it, whatever whatever that is. They're trying to you know, it it's We've been following this team for a long time, and and it's it's hard for the geopolitic hive mind to come on on board with the idea that this is a cool team to play for. Um, but and this is why this kind of has to happen when it's happening. You know, it you need actual stone cold evidence of people being endorsing this with signing their name on the dotted line coming to play here in order to have their imaginations stoked to the point where like oh this can actually this is a this is a place where people want to go to play basketball i guess and well, yeah and, yeah. and if you looked at like the pros and cons of the knicks versus nets 
it's not even like it wouldn't even be on the same page. Like one one, the pros and cons of the Nets would be on like a beautiful laminated piece of paper, maybe some gold tint to it. You know what I'm saying? It would be like just like a gorgeous presentation where like the Knicks pros and cons would be on like a napkin you got at Chelsea Papaya that has like a ketchup stain on it. Because that is the difference between the two franchises. Like just and like, you know, it's funny that I've already seen people defend what the Knicks are doing. I feel like you're looking at that napkin right now. You just look. I'm, at it, I'm so looking right directly at that napkin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like. I don't really give a crap about the Knicks anymore. They don't. Frankly, they don't matter. They're not in the same league as the Nets, Brian. Not in the same freaking league. It's yeah. different. It the, that is that is like talking about the Charlotte Hornets. They're just that type of team now. Yeah. The Knicks are. Do you want to stir up some controversy? I heard that there's a guy named Geo on the internet that's like. You know, shooting shooting shots at everybody about you know Knicks and Nets or something. I don't know. Well, do you I don't wanna, even know. Do you want to get into about. some internet drama? Ooh, what's happening? No, I have no idea. I mean, I only like pick up. I pick up little bits of it on on Twitter, but apparently he tweets out at Evan Roberts and Anthony Puccio about how the Nets suck or something. He works for. Oh, I don't know. He works for the radio. Oh, oh, oh! You mean the? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know enough about him. Um, <laughs> oh, oh! You don't want to get into my to my fabricated. Uh, beef? My, no, I can't. <laughs> you want to manufacture I actually, beef? I legitimately can't. You can't um, get the... All right, I'll, all right, I'll go solo on this beef. I'm just kidding. I don't know this guy at all. I'm just... You know, I just saw this on the internet. Sorry, if this is... Do you want to get into that beef? If this is, is that a desire that you have? a touchy subject. <laughs> I honestly had no idea. I thought it was a meme, but I guess it's real. I, um, you know, all right. No, I don't want to touch it. We can't for the sake of you and your career. Um, Brian, how's the, how's the Katie Kyrie sitting with you right now by the way we're going to be doing emails throughout the show thank you so much because we wanted to bring the emails out early on in this process because we appreciate you all so much um yeah there's a lot of them and we we felt like you know i think mike felt that he wanted to only be the person the only person speaking last (laughs) last podcast uh so i let him have that and uh but now we're gonna hear from the rest of us just kidding mike i'm just kidding um or am I? <laughs> no. It's accurate. Yeah. I said to Brian one of the times when we did the first pod after K Ring Kai D signed, like my internet kept going out. And I said to him legitimately, like, I just wanna I wanna it just wanted to be us. Brian and I have done this pod for five years. I just wanted it Dude, to be seven us. years. We're going on seven years. We started seven? T- at the end of twenty twelve. We started that. Oh my Can god. Can you believe that? Can you what believe a waste that, of time. That nonsense. Um did you read the article on netsdaily.com? about Spencer Dinwiddie recruiting Kyrie Irving at that Harvard business thing? No, I didn't. Please. Enlighten. Um, but that's it. That's the whole story. Apparently that happened. Mark Stein writes, um, and Dinwiddie, a salesman at heart, drives a hard bargain, um, I guess sold you know, Kyrie Irving on, on the wonders of Brooklyn and the Brooklyn Nets franchise and their their practice facilities and all that and the other thing. And, and uh yeah, and apparently, you know, world, the word trickled all the way to where it needed to get to Kevin Durant and, De- and DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, here we are. So, truly, Spencer Dinwiddie is going down, is on the Mount Rushmore of of Nets, all time Nets for me in my in my book. We're okay. So, the the obvious like red flag with Kyrie Irving is sort of what happened with the Celtics and. Regardless of how bad the situation may be with the Celtics, whether their personalities are different, that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum feuded with Kyrie, mostly apparently Jalen Brown, not too much Jason Tatum. That was your analysis of that video that we talked about with uh, whoever the two other guys were. Like, 
we kind of have a sense of who Jason Tatum is. He's an ingrate, Mike. Um, what what kind of behavior are we going to expect from Kyrie Irving? Meaning, how good is he going to be of a teammate? How uh, sort of uh, acquiescent will he be? How how will he how will he be as a teammate? Is your prediction? Do you think we're going to have controversy? It's going to be a roller coaster, or will we have a smooth ride just this season coming up? You know what I was? Uh, I was there was one person who I'm not going to remember their name to credit, but somebody was talking about how um, you know a big selling point of the Nets was you know not just you know the, the, this this. You know, this, the, the culture meme is, is one thing, but you can see sort of evidence of it in the celebration of the bench players, you know, hooping it up for uh, any time. Even like a bench player is, is you know, uh, will go hard for starters and, and to and fro. There's no like there wasn't a, any kind of politicking with celebrating. Right. They was just like everybody was into it collectively. And I think, honestly, it's a reason why. You know, of of all the glue guys, Theo Pinson may be a legendary glue guy out there. <laughs> I'm not kidding because, you know, to start the season, Theo was kind of going dolo on that dance move, um, and it really picked up throughout the season as they started to play better and got out of you know a massive losing streak and all that stuff. Um, and I think that like having the last guy on your bench be that enthusiastic, be that much of a cheerleader, and have a lot of fun, like. Let's go saying like that's that's you know that passed around meme of the gif of of the dancing nets bench like it's it's hard to overstate or understate how that you know seeks into the consciousness of of basketball fans and you know make no mistake Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are like definitely plugged in into those kinds of things even if they pretend they're not and I don't think Kevin Durant even pretends it anymore um, but like that infectious celebratory behavior I don't know it seems to have seems to have inspired a lot of a lot of different people to come play for the Nets and as long as we can continue to foster that kind of thing which I think we can because it's not really com- it wasn't really coming from D'Angelo Russell it wasn't really coming from you know the starters even in particular like Jared Allen wasn't like you know uh, although he'll be there or whatever like but like you're not replacing you're not you're not displacing that energy by taking D'Angelo Russell out of it and adding Kyrie Irving and I don't think it really came from D'Angelo Russell and so like that's what it is it's it's where the culture comes from is the 15 man team right obviously your leaders move the needle a lot in terms of wins and losses and those wins and losses make for a lot more dancing or not dancing um, but insofar as there will be dancing it's not going to be started by Kyrie Irving but it may be that Kyrie Irving does some dancing on the bench next year. I don't know. Who knows? But I don't think, yeah, it's not like, it's not really up to him, you know? Well, and, and so like, okay, so it, when people in the media criticize Kyrie to the Nets in terms of like what he's going to do to the Nets, the common line is that we saw what Kyrie did with a young team. And so I made those lines before in the past when I was thinking, fine, I accept all that. I'm team Kyrie now for life. I'm going to name my second child after him. It's all fine. But the line is what a young, what he does to a young team. Okay, but I think we need to create the differences between the Nets situation and the Celtics situation. In the Celtics situation, we've been told multiple times that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier all wanted to prove themselves in the league in some way. They all wanted a bigger role. There were too many players. I think Brad Stevens even specifically said to like Zach Lowe or someone or maybe Jackie McMullen. There's too many. There were just we just had too many players. The pieces didn't fit. Um, Whereas Brooklyn. The guy who could be most impacted or will be most impacted by Kyrie Irving coming in is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, chief recruiter, chief recruiting officer for the Brooklyn Nets, the CRO. Karis LeVert will also be impacted, but 
from all that we can glean about Karis's personality, one, he's never been like, I'm the top dog type dude, you know, like the sort of, um, I, I have to control the whole situation mentality. He's never shown that before. He wasn't that at Michigan. He hasn't been that with the Brooklyn Nets. He enjoyed the fact that, not that obviously that he got hurt, but when he got hurt, that D'Angelo Russell rose to the level of prominence that he did. Karis LeVert was showing that he enjoyed that rise as well. Uh, so Karis LeVert seemingly will not be impacted by it. Joe Harris is a role player and knows exactly what his role is going to be. Uh, Jared Allen is the one guy who may be butthurt. Um, that butthurt, though. And there's no way Jared Allen's going to be butthurt. Like, that's it's just not going to happen. not part of his vocabulary. And and if anything, you know, I, I, I wish I could look up right. I could look up right now what Jared Allen's minutes were last season, but that's like the most boring thing to do in radios as we or podcasting as we look up stats um, as we're talking. But let's say Jared Allen averaged like 28 minutes a game last year, right? That sounds reasonable. Sure. It's not going to be that different with Deontay Jordan around. Jared Allen may not be starting but every game, but Deontay Jordan's likely going to start because that's kind of the respect that you have to give for a guy who came over and is part of the recruitment of KD and Kyrie. But, I mean, Jared Allen's basically, his minutes are going to be essentially the same. And those minutes, he's probably going to be more effective because he's going up against bench units. And it will allow him, it will relieve him of pressure because everything was on him in the in games against, like, yeah. the Sixers and Joel Embiid and all that stuff. So now, so the differences between the Celtics and the Nets is just massive. Both young teams. So, like, both the superlative that you'd put on them, are they, they are young emerging teams with Kyrie Irving. But who are on those teams just widely different. Also, Kyrie had to deal with the Gordon Hayward. I would honestly, I'm going to take issue with also that they're like equally young teams. Like Spencer Dinwiddie's been playing professional basketball and Karis LeVert for three or four years apiece. They're in their mid twenties. Like they're not 19 year old Jason Tatum. It's just that that six or seven years age difference is like an ocean of difference. It's like, that's you, you are much more of a human being at, I mean, at 19, you are an insane, an insane person. There's like, you're, you're fragile in a million different ways. So like the idea that they're like, Oh, it's both two like equally young teams. It's not super accurate. I'd say. And like contributing to the youngness was D'Angelo Russell. And now he's not here. Right. Right. So like, that's a little bit, if like, if we did have this scenario where it was Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell, I would be way more worried because they're both guys who want the ball in their hands, Kyrie and D'Lo and all, you know, all the things that we would naturally be seeing on the floor. We were excited about the possibility of that happening, but yeah. you know you, that awkwardness isn't there. You remember yourself at nineteen, Mike? I mean, you were you were an insane person. All Mike did was eat hot pockets and sit on a chair and watch the clock tick. He was I. <laughs> who ate the more disgusting microwave treat, though, Brian? I mean, I I would go toe to toe with anyone and like the worst diet of all time at that age. I mean, I was pretty much just eating French fries with cheese. Cheese sauce. I, was, I remember distinctly the blue and white uh, White Castle box, yeah. the microwavable, the frozen to microwavable sliders that you would get. From and like and the, I was coming in at a, a lean one fifty too. It was the best shape I've ever been in my <laughs> life. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Terrible. What happens? Um, but um, and then I've also I've talked about this a million times, but it can't be said enough that like Brad Stevens doesn't pass the eye test. He looks like a nerd. I'm not going to listen to a nerd tell me what to do. I just you know I don't care what age I get to or what level of success or what. I mean the guy doesn't. Just look at a side-by-side comparison of him and Kenny Atkinson. Who are you more likely to take orders from? The guy with a suit that's two sizes too big, he just washes hair with Perp Plus, it's all floppy in front of his forehead. Or the guy with a gallon of L.A. looks, slicked back, 
<laughs> a tailored suit wedged up his crack and it looks like he's about to punch you in the larynx if you do anything wrong that's the guy that's the guy i want leading this thing doesn't kenny always look like his skulls with the ex- like literally explode out of the skin like the, his forehead is the tightest forehead in the business yeah the he, absolute tightest forehead he's but, a, so a stressed out dude that's just one stressed bro right there th- this is a good sort of pivot point because so jay williams was on the pod zach lowe's podcast and this was i think it was yesterday or two days ago or whatever it was probably yesterday and so jay williams if you don't know the backstory with him is that he does the show the boardroom with rich Kleiman, which is uh kevin durant's agent manager and i think durant's on the few of the episodes as well so like the prevailing obviously the hoops rumors mill anything jay williams had ever said about kevin durant's location was always taken like with a pretty high level of weight because he knows those guys and he's been in the room with those guys one thing zach Lowe said that was interesting was that the nets feel like when we talk about the Kyrie coaching situation the nets seem to be excited about the possibility of kenny atkinson coaching him because of what you're talking about like Mm -hmm. Kenny, and we saw this with D'Angelo Russell, Kenny will, like, say to a guy, basically, like, shut the F up. Like, he'll 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 put it to him if things are getting kind of wonky. Yeah, he'll, he'll like, do the Gary Oldman face. Like, everyone, that's what he'll do. <laughs> he'll freak out on you. And, and, like, not that you really want. So Kyrie had a bad incident with Tyron Lue when Tyron Lue kind of got in Kyrie's face in Cleveland, and that didn't work out. And apparently that was, like, the, the line of delineation for Kyrie's relationship with Tyron Lue. So I'm not saying that, like, Kyrie's a tough love kid because I really don't think he's tough love kid. I think he's there's a lot to unpack there, and like you have to be pretty careful with him. But I think the sort of the consistency of what Kenny Atkinson may present of like I'm from what I can tell is that he's direct and he's honest, and I think that'll respond well. Kyrie will respond well to that. The other thing that w- the more interesting part of that podcast though was what Jay Williams was saying because. I think Jay Williams was able to let a couple of things out of the bag now that the decision has been made. He, even though he says he didn't know that Durant was going to go to Brooklyn, but Jay had some sense that that was going to happen and why it may happen. He specifically said what won Durant over was Kyrie, you know, and that, you know, you pointed out correctly that, like, we should be building statues of Kyrie immediately mm-hmm. because he was the, the secret sauce that really got this Durant thing done more than like the culture and all that stuff like Kyrie was was working him to some degree to come to Brooklyn no matter what Durant like says that he's his own man and he may be but he could still be influenced by friends um Kevin Durant this is from Jay Williams obviously likes Karis LeVert we know that thing Jay Williams specifically dropped the Thad Young trade like talked about it specifically that's what Kevin Durant like saw that move made by Sean Marks and thought that was a really smart move um kevin durant loves jared allen um there's all these little things like so obviously durant's a guy who like consumes nba media he obviously tweets at people who are nba reporters all the time um durant's been following this situation for a while and we also understand that durant probably made that decision i think this was from howard beck durant and Kyrie made the decision like a long time ago that this wasn't really up for debate. That this wasn't really like. I mean, they didn't take a meeting with anybody else. I mean, it was. I mean, it was as succinct and coordinated as it possibly gets on a free agency front. But wait, Brian, the Knicks though, the Knicks wanted to get medical information, mm. and and if they didn't get that, they wouldn't have given them the max. Are you telling me that that wasn't true, Brian? <clears throat> Mike, <laughs> I love when you play along. <laughs> um, um, do you want to do some emails? 
let's freaking do it. Um, I'm just going to go like hop around because a lot of this, this is just like a little bit, hey, it's your moment, guys. You know, a lot of our listeners out there have been listening for a long time and, you know, they don't get enough shine. Some of these are first time long times. Um, you know, I just feel like this is a collective thing. You know, we all did this together and, you know, we as glue guys, you know, I want to glue you all in together right now. Get sticky. Get sticky with it. No, 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 no. Kevin Durant dropped new shoes real quickly and they are gray and black. So there you go. Not white and black, huh? Nope. Okay. Um, anyways, first up, Sean Goodfriend, a good friend of the, of the show, it's your boy. Um, given the DJ signing four years and the cap space issues, do you think the Nets drafted Claxton to replace Jared Allen? Do they trade him? What could they get in return? Well, Mike, you just said that Kevin Durant really likes Jared Allen, so that doesn't seem like it. I'm, I'm thinking Claxton's going to be spending a bit of time in the Gatorade league raid, my friend. What do you think? Yeah, I think him and John and Moose are going to be working on a pick and roll pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's no way they're going to rely on Nick Claxton for anything this season, right? I mean, they, but, but like, okay, did they, did they know when the draft happened that they were going to get Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan? They didn't know. They probably had some good idea, though, that that may happen. I don't think that informed their Nick Claxton decision, though. Well, they, they, there's nothing to me that would indicate that. We also need to answer Sean Goodfriend's question more more charitably because what he's saying is, you know, in the years going forward, assuming you'll have to pay Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and you know all these guys um, in the next couple of years, where do we find that? Where do we carve out that money from? Like you're a capologist of sorts. Well, so what's kind of good about what's the one underlying thing what's great about the next the net situation is that because they have all these young guys who are going to be coming up on new deals and they're all going to have bird rights or early bird rights or whatever classification they're going to have the nets could pretty much pay them whatever they want or whatever they deserve and yeah they'll pay the luxury tax but like that's a good problem to have like that's why this so karis lavert is extension eligible i'm pretty sure right now i'm interested to see how motivated the nets may be to get that done like now because if you think you're the Nets, the bet you may want to make is to do it now and do it in a number that looks big now. Because if Karis LeVert plays a full season with Kyrie Irving, LeVert's only going to look better. Um, the The only way you get like a real discount on him is by doing it now or if Karis LeVert gets hurt again, which you just don't want. Like You don't want like a discount on LeVert because he's hurt for a whole season again. Um, the the again though but like all these guys like jared allen when they have to pay them they're gonna be able to pay them it's just if they want to pay the luxury tax um because they just have so many guys coming up on new young deals mm-hmm. uh by the way the, the summer league rosters have been announced for the brooklyn nets you want to rattle it off quicker uh big names obviously jared allen mm-hmm. nick claxton wow jalen hands big names rodion's kruz nice Jana musa theo pinson and then I can't really Isaiah Cordinari, Cordinier, the you know the French guard from mm. France, the French guard from France. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's basically it. There's a bunch of other names, but the only other guys I really care about is C.J. Massenberg from Buffalo, who I'm sort of a fan of. He's my new Milton Doyle. Mm. Um, next up, your boy Kamizzi, um, Kamizio. Wow, all the years, all the hard work, all the losing, all the trolling, people constantly claiming Nets fans don't exist. Well, dot, 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 New York, 
Real New York, soak it in, man. We are here. The Nets are back, and we really are in need of dropping a drop. <clears throat> Actually, but here's the thing. Ever since we stopped dropping that drop, things have been going our way. You know, that's been... Yes. I can't... I, there is some voodoo there, so I don't know. We have to we have to look into that. Um, I never, and I do mean never, ever email the pod. I usually stay on Twitter at Triumph and encourage more drops. This is why I was... Especially Kia. Because I love the glue guys and the energy you bring. I'm loving you in this email right now and the energy in it. Um, but this is the most important moment of the decade. Century, arguably, in Nets fandom. And only the Jason Kidd trade could be comparable. And even that wasn't as big of an immediate step forward in legitimacy as today was. I am giddy. I have been a Nets fan since the early 90s. Um, shout out to Draws and Kenny Anderson. She's going shout out crazy. Um, so anyways, that's those are some of the experiences. Would you say that this is comparative, uh, comparable to the Jason Kidd trade? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it has no comparison it's, it's, it's much... in the history of the NBA beyond the Heatles. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is it. That's it. That's it. There's only that's the only other situation. I may be forgetting one, but there's no situation where like two. Obviously, that was three, but Dwayne Wade was already there. There's only been two like two maximum level stars are joining up on one team. Just you know, hasn't happened. Mm. Next up, your boy Min in Harlem. Billy King's long term vision has finally come to fruition. Uh, Min, I know that that's probably a meme. But I actually probably think that there's some, like a, a pretty nice vein of truth running right through that because Billy King, I don't doubt, would have. I mean, he was basically trying to position ourselves similarly. I mean, in theory, went about it in different ways, and you know, we are where we are because of it. But well, not even Billy King's vision. This is like this is Mikhail Prokhorov's division. Like literally, the stated goal when he when he bought the team was to take over New York from the Knicks. I'm, I'm not. I can't. We can't say that they've done that yet. Some more needs to happen. The team probably needs to win an NBA championship. The Knicks need to continue to stink. But like, the, there, there is no question. There, the Nets are way more relevant. What do you think? What do you think of the Knicks' rest of their roster? I kind of like it. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of stuff on there that I that I can get behind. It's funny. Like, if the Nets had missed out on the big names and they had gotten Julius Randle and Taj Gibson and I mean I don't really love like Wayne Ellington we already saw what Wayne Ellington experience did, is like did I make it up or did I think I saw Alfred Payton or something went to them a while ago Alfred Payton yeah. is there which is not a good like, one you don't want Alfred Payton so the two things like that that's a fine roster but what they just did was they went from being a team that probably should continue to tank and they made it into a team that like is like not a playoff team probably in the east but like just that's a hard like 32 wins you know yeah it's it's a decent team and they're good game like julius randall is a good gamble even though you're paying him 21 million dollars to be a gamble but it's they're all fine moves but they're not even committing to what's the strategy there like if you really look at it i know the strategy is apparently that you sign these guys to one plus one contracts or two plus one contracts you really control their futures all those are team options um, if they do pop, I heard Zach Lowe say this, you can you have bird rights on them, so you can then sign them for whatever you want. But that team is still – like, if I was them, I really would have went after D'Angelo Russell. I don't – like, I you know, I don't know why they didn't really press down and be – because they could have just signed him in cap space and the Nets couldn't, couldn't have done anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what that's the move I would have made. I'm, I I took a long look at Julius Randle's stats last night and his deep deep analytics. I dove, I crunched the numbers, and 
I am encouraged to see that he's added somewhat of a three-point shot because I was worried he's going to head in Derek Favors territory like pretty quick. Where you you can have like a couple of seasons <clears throat> as a you know sneaky you know get like like sixteen and eight kind of like power forward dude, um, but if you don't develop further than that, it becomes a pretty easy position to counter if you are like if you're expected to do more than that. Um, it's going to be difficult uh, without a couple more weapons in your game. So I. I do think that Julius Randle will kind of figure it out and become a little bit more of a well-rounded player than than that. But Jerry's not totally out. Yeah, no. I mean, he he has potential. It's just that those like again, you, you, they've built a team that is contending for the eighth seed in the East. Which, yeah, that's what the Nets did. But the Nets were were doing that while also having a lot of cap space. The Knicks don't have any cap space now. So yeah. It's done with. Next up, your boy Keegan Carl. Is this a dream? Can you guys read this on the pod to make sure it's not? I'm still in shock and I have no idea what is going on, but holy crap. Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Keegan, love you. This is not a dream, but life is a simulation, so you're still in the Matrix. Sorry. Um, Next up, your boy Andrew Holder Ross. Hello again. My main question regarding Kyrie is how do the Nets, a team that champions empiricism, science, and analytics to maximize player performance, deal with a bloke who thinks the earth is flat. Got him. Roasted. Boom. Um, so I've come full circle on Kyrie, as everybody knows. I've been, I've been, um, you know, leading the, the Kyrie as a chill bro bandwagon for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, I think that was one meme. That's a meme. So you know how, what was it, that joke um, where it's... Uh, it's like an old like Jewish person joke where they say like Christianity is a story that got away from us, um, you know, <laughs> you know that one. This I think yeah, the yeah. I think the the Earth is flat is a joke that got away from Kyrie Irving is is what happened there. Um, um, I mean everybody says that, but you know I I don't I, think so. You know I don't know I don't know I don't I really don't I really I think he really is part of the, he's part of the intellectual the dark <laughs> and, and now he's working for a GM who uh, is from New Zealand. Which, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that that he, I think Sean Marks knows that the Earth that, is that doesn't prove spherical. anything. Like that doesn't prove anything. You can't prove to me. Can I be honest? I don't totally even understand the Earth is flat. Like, what are we saying? Are we saying that the Earth? It's a disc, dude. It's a disc. It's a disc. So then, what happens when you get to the other side of that disc? There's there's an ice wall. That's what. There's a lot of different conflicting theories there. But you're gonna see oh, okay. an ice wall. So, but like. All of us, all of Earth is on one plane, right? Yeah. And then at the end of that, there's an ice wall. Well, so here's what you got to do, ready? You take, like, that rectangular map, and you take the two sides, and you just sort of, like, bend them together, you know? Right. And then, you're, and then you lay that flat. That's what, that's what we're looking at, right? There's ice at the top, like Antarctica the is really actually an ice wall? So we got the Arctic, and then at the bottom, we've got, like, the icy disk outside. Right. I mean, look, I, you know, I believe it, so you should, too. Okay. Uh, next up, your boy Matt Parker. Okay, I got a question that is pretty on brand for me. I like Garrett Temple. I, this is already I like where this is headed. But don't we need <laughs> front court depth more than another guard? Is he KD's cousin or something? Um, so we'll say this: I play fantasy basketball heavily and hard, and in a very deep and competitive league. And Garrett Temple and Torian Prince are two guys that I'm always angling for because steals and threes. Although Garrett Temple doesn't doesn't average a great amount of steals, he has um, like on nights and off nights, which is you know a whole different thing. But um, 
there's the the steals in three player, which is a very um, Daryl Morey esque kind of player to be chasing. The Trevor Ariza phenomenon, right? For for years, Trevor Ariza was one of the most like bizarrely valued or undervalued players in fantasy. But if you're playing nine categories fantasy, um, he's super duper valuable because he averaged two threes, two steals forever, um, which you just don't get that often. Um, so Sean Marks plays a lot of fantasy, he plays nine categories head to head, and he knows the value in bringing on guys that do that operate in threes and steals. That's the answer. Beautiful. Um, no, but I, I actually do think Garrett Temple's probably like, um, one of those guys who's going to be, we're going to be sneakily pretty like pleased with, um, much the same way that we liked, you know, Dar- Damari Carroll and, and his stay with us. I think we're going to enjoy Garrett Temple similarly. Yeah, because what he I I know him from again my time as being a follower of the Wizards. He is he can be a point guard at times. Not that you really want him to be a point guard all that much, but he can handle the ball. He can bring it up. He plays good defense. Super fantastic locker room presence. Even when he was a guy on the Wizards who like no one knew about. The thing that you would get about him from reports is like how much of a high level contributor he is to the overall ethos of a team. So the when you bring in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. These two megastars who are moody at best, um, then to make the move like in the, so. The other thing about DeAndre Jordan is like everyone in the world loves DeAndre Jordan. He is the biggest of friends, literally and figuratively, in the NBA. So people could not like the four years for forty million. I actually am fine with it. $10 million a year for a guy who made, you know, who's pretty good still. I'm not that intimidated by it. Both him and Garrett Temple add to, like, the good veteran vibes on this team. Garrett Temple knows exactly what he is. He's going to shoot some threes. He's going to play defense. He's going to handle the ball a little bit. And that is it. And he actually works very nicely with Dinwiddie on bench units because he can play off ball. He can play. He can bring it up and get Dinwiddie started off in the offense. I mean, he was a targeted signing. Sean Marks, on the first end of free agency, when he was signing Kyrie and Kevin Durant, chose to also sign Garrett Temple. They're, they have a distinct plan for him in mm. Brooklyn. Mm. Mm. Ominous. Next up, <clears throat> cheer boy, Joseph Chelyak. It's been years since I've emailed the show. Yeah, Joe, where, where have you been, Doug? Um then it was because the Nets were bad enough that I suggested our Russian owner moving them to Canada. Today I cried real honest tears of joy. Well, wow. cried. Cried like a little baby bitch. Just kidding. Um, thank you guys so much for years of potting. You deserve every bit of the blow up the pod is going to get. Um, God, from your email to God's ears, Joseph. Um, oh, and please talk about Karis more and give him better awards. Go Nets. Um, I think that was for you, Mike. That was a that was a shots fired for you. Karis, no legs. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, true boy Joe Walden Waldron. Hey, Brian and Mike, we did it. The Nets are back. You guys will be inundated with emails tonight, but I wanted to reach out and say a little something. I have been a Nets fan for almost 20 years, and while it's been a difficult journey, I always had hope. I grew up and still live in the UK, so being a Nets fan brings out its own difficulties, but being a Nets fan made over the years has being in, over the years has been a little bit harder. I don't know, something. Petro. That's what we, Johan Petro. But the promised land is finally here. Anyways, I finally made it over to 
uh, over to New York this March to watch the Nets play Boston, and that handshake between D'Angelo and Kyrie now feels really poignant. Do you think that they both had an idea of what was coming back then, or am I looking too deeply into it? Also with Durant <laughs> now leaving, how do you expect the season to play out? Um, so... Uh, and then he says, I know you might not see this, but we did, and thank you so much for emailing, Joe. Um, I think it's a funny idea that, like, they would have a somber dab, uh, <laughs> like, here, you can have, you know, I wanted to come back to this team, but I guess you're gonna, guess you're gonna have it, um, dab. I don't know, I don't see it, but maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think at that point they do. I mean, I mean maybe, maybe, like, D'Angelo thought, oh, Kyrie's just coming, maybe we'll be friends, and that's not what happened. Kyrie said, I don't want to be friends with you. I want to be friends with Kevin Durant. Mm, so yeah. enjoy your time in Golden State. Have you seen those memes of like Indian Facebook where um, the guys are like, they'll be like high-fiving and it'll be like crossed out and be like, not friends with this guy anymore. And yeah. then we'll yeah. <laughs> have a new, another, a new dev and they'll be like, now friends with this guy. Um, that's, that's sort of what it is. Anyways, next up, your boy, Nick Viscomi. Hey, guys. Um, the Nets signed two of the top free agents minutes into free agency. I would say even, you know, we got word of it hours before free agency even formally started. That's how efficient we made it happen. This is me. That's right. This is me ad-libbing her. I was skeptical, doubting, overthinking everything from Kyrie's chemistry to Katie's leg to loving D'Lo. But the second the Wodge bomb came, that KD... <laughs> The watch bomb to the bit. The watch bomb came. That KD decides tonight, and then Stein said the Nets were confident they got him. I was walking on air. I'm thrilled. All those doubts are obviously still a concern, but from a fear, from a pure feeling standpoint, I'm at a retweet every. <laughs> I'm at a retweet every account confirming it. Level of excitement. Wow, big conjunctions right there. Anyways, mm-hmm. the Nets are championship contenders. The Nets are back. Long live Sean Marks. Nick Viscomi, thank you for writing out. Love the enthusiasm. Um, again, we cannot invoke the Nets are back drop because it's voodoo, voodoo witchcraft. Um, but it, it's, it rings in our hearts. I mean, it's dude, the long live Sean Marks. Like, I know, honestly, uh, some people got annoyed with like how much praise Sean Marks was getting when, like, really, he, what he built was a a young playoff team that got you know lost in five games to the seventy sixers. So, like. There wasn't that much of accomplishment, but honestly, long live Sean. Like the, the whatever happens here forward, he did it. He pulled off one of the the greatest free agent heists in the history of the NBA, and did it three years after the debacle of you know three years being brought into the job and having to deal with the fallout from the Billy King uh, trade. So mm-hmm. long live Sean Marks, baby. Next up, your boy Zach Arnstein. It would be amazing if we can keep as many of our guys as possible. Do we know anyone needs to get sacrificed to make this happen? Um, so already we saw Ed Davis on the sacrificial podium. What do they call it? Altar? Um, an altar. Ed Davis gone. Damari Carroll gone. Um, maybe Jared Dudley, though he hasn't signed yet, and there's been some talk that maybe he'll come back. Travion Graham? Gone. The guy who was going to be Durant has been is gone, Trey mm. Van Graham. Um, if they could keep, I mean, if they could keep Jared Dudley, that'd be super duper fantastic, because I think he'd fit in nicely. And I think if I'm Jared Dudley, like think about this for a second. I'm a guy who obviously wants to be in the media once I retire. That's obvious about Jared Dudley. Wouldn't you want to be in Brooklyn? Wouldn't you want to ride out your final whatever years? 
being on a team with Kyrie and KD, leveraging those relationships. It's almost what J.J. Redick is doing right now by joining the Pelicans. He's joining the Pelicans because he has a podcast and wants Zion Williamson on his podcast. That's how I would do it with my podcast. If I suddenly grew to be 6'7 and could shoot the ball and was athletic and was signed by the Nets, I would actually only choose a team that would be good for my podcast, for mm. our podcast, the like Glue Guys. Smart. If I'm Jared Dudley, my pitch to him is take less money in Brooklyn, but you're going to be relevant. You're going to be on the team of New York, and you can do a podcast. You're going to make it up in podcast money. Theo Pinson. Yeah. Theo Pinson. Come on. Yeah. Um, next up, your boy Raymond Stochel. Stochel. Uh, first time, long time. Don't you think you're giving too mu- giving Marks too much credit here? Has he really proven himself after waving Yogi Ferrell? <laughs> Raymond Stokel. Boom, Mike, Beautiful. you got roasted, dog. I don't know if he caught it. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, actually, if Yogi was on this team, Kawhi would also still be. It would be Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and Kawhi. Mm. So just want to say that. Suck on that, Raymond. Um, next up, your boy, Jim Nazidus. Nazidus. It happened. Now, what do we need to do as fans to get Dudley to take the vet men? Um, That's what I'm telling you about. You just bro. heard it. You just heard it here. Podcast. Po- pitch the podcast. You can be on the Glue Guys Radio Network. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan since I was six years old with Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson days. You are young. Six years old in that? That is a young... You are Matthew Abramovitz, this is, by the way. Um, Richard Jefferson days all the way through the 12 and 70 season and the move to Brooklyn. Tonight's news is the best feeling I've ever experienced as a Nets fan. Sean Marks, you are a rock star GM. Quick question. How do you guys think this team will gel next year? And then how will they fare when KD comes back next year? Thank you, guys. Thank you, Matthew. Um... Do we think they gel this year? I think they're going to do... I'm pretty confident that this team is going to be totally fun to watch next year and gelling just fine. Like, I, I feel that pretty... Like, there's too much good juju right now. Because I also... Because I think Kyrie's going to be on super great behavior yeah. early on. Like, whether he learned a lesson, quote-unquote, learned a lesson from his time in Boston, he's at least going to have a counter-reaction from his time in Boston. He chose the Nets. He's going to act super good and nice to everyone. He was still a second-team All-NBA player... D'Angelo Russell was barely an all-star, so there's a gap there. As It's not exactly that huge in terms of regular production, but there's a gap. Um, I think Karis LeVert, a full season of Karis LeVert, is going to be extremely helpful. Um, yes, they're missing Damari Carroll and maybe Jerry Dudley, but DeAndre Jordan, whatever you think about him, is better than Ed Davis. So there's improvements, and Rodion's Karuks, another year of that big, beautiful Latvian. Uh you know, they were the sixth seed last year. I mean, I don't see any reason why they may not be the fourth seed. Not that that's asking all that much, but they'll be pretty damn good. They're going to be threatening, and we're going to be waiting for stories of maybe Kevin Durant coming back at the start of the playoffs. Could happen. May happen. Uh, you you brought you sent me a really good video the other day. Yesterday it was mm. um, about Achilles injuries. Mm. What was your main takeaway from that from that video? What did you feel like you learned from it? Um, my main takeaway was, um, well, first of all, to explain it, <clears throat> it was like a seven-minute video of a like surgeon, I guess, talking about sports injuries of various kinds. He's got a YouTube channel where he deep dives on the actual medical science of an injury and kind of gives estimates based on that. Um, I should really have, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll freaking do it. Hang on one second because it's, it's ah. too good. 
Well, yeah, and it, and yeah. it it like it really goes through. It is only seven minutes, so like as Brian is bringing this up, it is worth watching if you have the time. You know, obviously, I can't validate this guy's medical credentials, but it seems like he knows what he's talking about. Um, he kind of goes through how KD actually got hurt, like leading up to that, and then historical comparisons, and then what to expect from Kevin Durant. And another suggestion, as Brian is looking this up, Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer wrote about uh, what type of player Kevin Durant may be. Spoiler alert, it's basically, you know, mid to late stage career, not late, late stage, Dirk Nowitzki, seven footer who can shoot. And no matter how debilitating this injury may be, Kevin Durant will still be more athletic than Dirk at any point in his career. So, yeah. Um, so this is three CB performance on YouTube. It's criminally underviewed. He's only got like 800 followers or subscribers and his his uh, videos don't get near enough views. So go subscribe if you want to know about Clay Thompson's left hamstring tightness or Michael Porter Jr.'s foot drop or Malcolm Brogdon's right plantar fascia tear, you know, in deep detail. Um, so, but the Kevin Durant's right Achilles tendon rupture video is quite good and only has 500 views. So give him some love. He also, to his credit, puts his res- uh, his credentials in the end of the video. So um, this is a guy that takes it seriously, Mike. Um, and, and so... The, the the historical comparison that should be heartening for Nets fans in there is Rudy Gay. Right. right? We, we always I have totally forgot that Rudy Gay tore his Achilles tendon. And he came back within seven months. And he was in and the exact almost the exact same age within a couple of like literally a couple of days. And what's informative is to go on basketball <clears throat> reference, check out because they talk about this in the video, the minutes restrictions seemingly that the Spurs had Rudy Gay on. And what you see immediately, the first game he comes back, he plays like 23 minutes. And he basically sticks around 20 to 27 minutes for a while. Um, you know, so I don't, I know this is, we're going to talk about this a million times leading up into the playoffs. Let's just say Kevin Durant has a nine month return. Okay. It takes him nine months to return from that injury. So that would put him back around the start of the playoffs. If you're telling me that the Nets. With Kyrie and Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, blah, 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 Theo Pinson, <laughs> are the fourth seed, and they get 20 minutes a game from Kevin Durant. It's managed. He, they're putting him in certain spots, probably not starting him, because that there's like energy into that, and you can kind of expend yourself, and it's easier to kind of put him in at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second. There's more rest there. I you're telling me I don't like it. I don't like what we're doing here, Mike. I, Brian, <laughs> I don't like if you're it. telling me that they could get 20 minutes a game from Kevin Durant, I'd be very interested in that in the playoffs. Just saying. <laughs> I bet you would, Just, Mike. I bet you would. Uh, let's do one more because then I got to go. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. I'll leave it with this one. It's your boy, Zach Murphy, long-time listener and multiple email submitter. All I'm saying is don't forget the OG Vans. Fans. Also, Garrett Temple, Super Team. Um, Zach Murphy and all the OG fans, um, we will not forget you. Um, if you don't forget us, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of other podcasts coming in through through Netsland soon. So um, that means war, and we will extinguish everybody in our path. No, just kidding. We never. We are. We're always about bolstering each other. We're you know pod fam for life. You know you are. I am. Yeah, it's about camaraderie. You know, there's if you got time in your life for one Nets podcast, you got time in your life for four. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, Mike, I'll let you get out of here. You you are racing. You're raring to go. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Oh, wow. We'll have that any fast. more pods. You really need to get out of here. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm here in boxers. Nothing else. I'm sweating because I can't have the AC on. Because you my finished your, your high life. I noticed you've been sucking on that empty high life too long. Yeah, I'm like uh, Vin Diesel in Fast 2, just guzzling Fast and Furious 2. Um, <laughs> actually, it's too fast, too furious. I yeah, apologize I to everyone. We're going to do some interesting stuff uh, coming up. Obviously, we can talk a lot KD and Kyrie, but we're also going to attack it from different angles. We're going to have some people on the pod to talk about it. Yes. Um, Prepare to be interested is what we can so, say. Thank you all for listening. Mazel tough, Brian. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Mike. And thanks for having me. Okay, bye, everybody. Yeah, boy. Yeah.